going to read from Genesis chapter number 3. Beginning with verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. He did eat, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. I want to call your attention back to verse number 11. Adam has explained to God, he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In verse number 11, God's response was, who told you that? Who told you that? God knew the reason why a man would hide himself from the presence of the Lord. The Bible said that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. God knew immediately that Adam had sinned. And he was trying to see, get Adam to see. When he asked him, Adam, where, where are you at? Where are you at, not only physically, but where are you at spiritually? And giving the answer, he wanted Adam to admit, I used to love entering into your presence, but now I dread it. I used to love talking to you in prayer, but now I have to make myself. I used to love going to the house of God, but now I seldom find myself wanting to go. What I used to love and be drawn to, now I'm afraid of and I'm running away. He was trying to get Adam to see where he was at, get him to admit where he was at because confession and repentance is the only solution. And so I want to title the message tonight using God's own words to Adam in verse number 11. Who told you that? God spoke my heart a couple of Tuesday nights ago during prayer meeting about this message, I've been praying it over, amen, uh, just hashing it over in my heart and my mind ever since. Who told you that? Father, we thank you for the word tonight. Thank you for allowing us to be in the house of God. Thank you for what you're doing, for the promise of what you will do, for those that will call upon your name, seek your face. Lord, some can't be here tonight because they're sick. I pray, Lord, for Brother Danny and Sister Pam. Text me on the way to church. They're coming down with a sickness. You're a healer tonight. 
Stretch forth your hand to heal. Brother Glenn had to leave this morning sick in his body. Heal, I pray, Lord, with your stripes, by your power, Holy Ghost power, atoning blood, we're healed. I ask you to heal him, Lord. Raise him up. Dad, recovering from surgery, Lord, minister healing to his body. God, for everything you do, I pray you'll touch us here tonight in this house. Us that are well in body, we were able to come well enough to be here anyhow. I pray you'll not miss a one of us, touch us all. Honor the faith of these your people that have come out on a Sunday night, Lord God. They could have gone anywhere and done anything, but they chose to be in the house of God. Move for us. I pray, oh God, fall upon us like you did in days of old. In that upper room, let the Holy Ghost have his way. In every heart and life tonight, anoint the preaching, the hearing, and the receiving of the word. We ask it all in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, you say amen. Who told you that? I was watching a little clip of some of Brother Chambers preaching online here a few weeks ago, I suppose, is how God led me into this chain of thought. And I was, of course, during prayer time and prayer meetings, you pray about the things that weigh heavy upon your mind. And as I was praying over some things, the Lord carried me to this scripture in my mind. And I heard the Lord say unto Adam, as Adam said, I heard your voice as you were walking in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And I heard God say to Adam, just as I'm the Spirit speaking these verses, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you? He knew he'd been talking to Satan. He knew Satan was involved somewhere. Temptation. You know, the Bible said when lust is conceived, when a man's drawn away from God, he is enticed by his own lust. The devil plays on a man's lust, on his appetite, the thing that he sees things that he craves, the things that he sees on an everyday basis. That's what the devil plays on. Begins to tell us, you know, that would really be all right. There's nothing really wrong with that. God said it was, but I'm telling you, it's not. Everybody else is doing it. You ought to give it a try. When the Bible said when a man is drawn away or enticed, drawn away of his own lust. He said, for God can't be tempted or drawn away or enticed with sin. It's not the Holy Ghost that wants the forbidden. It's that man's flesh, his carnality, the spirit, lust, or wars against the flesh. And the flesh wars against the spirit. These two are enmity one against the other. One of them wins out. And it's the man that prays that his spirit's going to win out. And it's the man that don't pray. It's the man that's faithful to be edified in the house of God on a regular basis like Brother Jonathan testified. His spirit's going to win out where the one that lays out, he's often going to lose. On and on. And this, these words kept rehearsing in my mind, but there was a... Uh, maybe the next day I was 
after I had listened to Brother Chambers, I went back to his site and was going to listen some more. He had made a post. You just have to know his situation, but the post was about home churches, house churches, people starting churches. And he was talking about people that get disgruntled and get mad at a preacher and leave and go start them a church somewhere. And he's had that happen to him more than once by more than one preacher. And that's his story. He could tell you better than I could, but Brother Chambers is my friend. And I know his life. And I know his dedication, his devotion. He's He comes away with many people as too, being too hard, too brash. But there's no more gentle of a man that I've ever met in my life. And sometimes he may come across that way, but they don't know his heart like I do. And so I understood the post. I knew what he was saying, but he was saying, you know, some people, you know, need, that get angry and leave. And he had made, he said, some people leave a church and want to belong to a house church or a, or a group that just meets or has teleconferences simply because they don't want to pay tithe. That's what he put online. Son, I'm telling you, he's got subscribers all over the world, different countries, Listen to his broadcast when he when he posted that, man they they were coming from all over the world, just nailing him to the wall. And 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 most of them were all taking the angle that tithing's an Old Testament principle and doctrine that we don't have to tithe anymore. And they were you know of course they're going to give verses and this that and the other. One guy said, you know, tithing was set aside in the Old Testament under the Mosaic Law. Tithing was there to take care of the ministry. And he went on to tell Brother Chambers, he said, but there was no such practice in the New Testament. And I'm going, either you don't read your Bible you just got saved and your pastors never preached from the Bible. Something's wrong. Because the Bible taught that on the first day of the week, they gathered together and they gave of their tithe and they gave of their offering. And talks about they sold all their possessions and was given all of their money. And shared all things common. They did more than pay tithe in the New Testament. They gave it all. Woo! <laughs> you got people fighting over how much they're going to give God. Saying, we don't have to pay tithe. At the very least, I'll say, you're right. They didn't pay a tenth. They gave it all. Everything they had. Just shared everything common. But I didn't go there. I just... Reading and I'm, I'm just scratching my head saying, man, where do these people come from? Where do they get this from? And then I asked, I heard the Lord say to me again, because he had already been dealing with my heart about this scripture. You could say to them, who told you that? Who told you that? Where did you get that ideology from? Where did that enter your heart? Where did that enter your mind? Anyway, I gave the guy that was coming at, the Mosaic law angle, and it was there to take care of the minister. And he said, Paul was a tent maker. He, he worked. He told them that, you know, he, he didn't 
He didn't labor in the kingdom to receive. He, he didn't take anything from their hand. I said, my goodness, read what he wrote the Philippians that they gave to him. They communicated. That's what it meant. They gave. When no other church gave, they were giving, supporting his work and his ministry. And, uh, but I told him, I said, if all we're talking about is the law, the Mosaic law, living under the law, taking care of the minister, that's your angle. I said, I'll just give you one verse because I'm not getting, getting into a debate that is pointless when the whole Bible's against you. I'm not going to get into that debate. And I said, Abraham, did he live by Mosaic law or did he not? He said, well, no, he didn't. He was a patriarch. He was before the law. I said, thank you. I said, when God blessed Abraham, he won a victory. After the victory, the high priest comes from Salem, which was a pre-dated Jerusalem, if you will. It was called Salem. Melchizedek appears in the Bible, seemingly out of nowhere. He approaches Abraham. The Bible said that Abraham paid tithe of all he possessed to the high priest of Salem. Melchizedek blessed him and left. And the Bible said that Christ came after the order of Melchizedek, meaning he suddenly appeared on the scene. Without a beginning and without a end, he is our great high priest who makes atonement or offering or sacrifice on our behalf unto God. I said Abraham was before the law. God put it in his heart to give and to tithe to the ministry. And he didn't know what to say. I said it's not a law thing. It's a God thing. But it started a dialogue with God and myself as I would pray. Issues that I understand people have. Things that enter into people's mind. You see, it was Satan. He said, God doesn't know the day you eat of that tree that ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil for yourself. In other words... He said, your eyes are going to be opened. You'll be your own God. Self will be God. I want to tell you, that was a curse. If ever, if ever there was a curse, to partake of that forbidden fruit and eat it, and their eyes were opened, and they thought in their mind that they knew right from wrong for themselves. What a curse for that flesh to take over. You see, Adam had never sinned. He was created in the image and in the likeness of God. There was no sickness. There was no sin. There was no carnality. Look, he didn't have any clothes on. And his eyes were so pure as they could not behold evil. They didn't know what evil was. There was no lust there. There was no perversion there. None of that. They were naked but didn't even know it. 
They were literally covered or clothed with the glory of God. And when his eyes were opened and his flesh took over, lust, perversion, impure and evil thoughts begin to take over. Adam's in control now, not God. Instantly, he don't like it. He hides himself from the presence of God. He said, I seen that I was naked and I was afraid. And I couldn't enter into your presence like I am. So I hid myself. And the Lord says, who told you that? Do you know there are a lot of people in the world today? The Bible said there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a lot of things today that are entering into the carnal mind. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's a lot of people that are not praying, that are not reading their Bible, that are not attending a house of God, that don't hear the preached word, and they don't even read or study the written word. So God's not talking to them. And if, if God's not talking to them, then the devil or the flesh is. And they, and, and a lot of thoughts enter their mind and they think they're good thoughts and they think they know best and they think they've got it under control. But if they could hear God tonight, God would say unto them, who told you that? I know there's a lot of people that think there, there are a thousand and one ways you can get to heaven. Well, I'm a good person. I treat other people right. I believe in God. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to do this or this or this or this. Everybody can just get to heaven the way they want to get to heaven. Everybody can go their own route. Funerals. I've, I've mentioned this before, talking to Sister Becky's sister, Sherry, at the funeral home. More and more what they call secular funerals are taking place. No preacher, no scripture, no word, no reference of anything holy or sacred Everybody's going to heaven. Their own imaginary heaven. That their God's just going to wrap them all up. They were a good person. I'd just like to be a fly on the wall and say to the people sitting in those kind of services, who told you that? Where did that enter your mind? How did you come up with that? Certainly not in the Bible. Listen. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There are not a thousand ways to heaven. There's one way. Paul told the church, I believe it was in Galatia where he said, I fear for you having labored over you, having travailed over you, that my labor is going to be in vain. He said because men are going to turn you away from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. From the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That word simplicity is a powerful word in the Greek. The exclusiveness or the singleness I'm afraid men are going to turn you away from the truth uh, that there's no way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. 
I'm afraid men are going to turn you back to Judaism, saying you can live after the law. Just an act of being circumcised in your flesh is what's going to, God's going to honor that covenant of circumcision. And you're going to allowed to, uh, be allowed to go to heaven. Listen, the Lord told the Pharisees, he said, under the law it's written, thou shalt not uh, commit adultery. These men were circumcised. They lived after the letter of the law. They called themselves children of Abraham. And they had a covenant with God, and God was their father through that covenant of circumcision. And the Mosaic covenant of the law, they were going to keep that. And Jesus said, search the scripture for in them. You think you have eternal life, yet they are they which testify of me. And he said, under the law, it's written, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that if a man looks at a woman to lust after her in his heart, he has committed adultery with her already. God's expectation and God's standard was higher and holier than theirs. God said, my ways are higher than yours. You can't know them but by the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You can't know the Word outside of knowing Jesus. I preached a few weeks ago. The God, we know who we worship. Or we know the God that we worship. We know who we worship, meaning Salvation, he said, was under the Jews. He was the promised Messiah. It was promised in the word that Messiah would come and they were looking for the Messiah. He told her on that mount, he said, you worship, you know not what. Uh, we know who we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Uh, the Messiah is promised under the Jewish nation, meaning Jesus was a promise of the Bible. Amen. You can't have a lawless Savior because he's promised under those uh, amen that seek uh, to look for him and that call upon his name you can't have a relationship with God outside of the law and you can't know the law outside of Jesus right. you can't live the law outside of Jesus the Bible said in Romans chapter number 8 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit you know, if you're walking in the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost leads you to do the will of God. He writes His law upon the tablet of your heart. I'm just saying, there are not a million ways to get to heaven. There's only one way. Philip said, Lord, how can we know the way? He said, have I been so long a time with you, Philip? And yet you ask, show us the way. How can I know the way? He said, I am the way. I came from the Father. And when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, if you ever want to go to the Father, you're going to have to go my way. Amen. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear Him. Somebody said, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to go to church to be saved. You've heard me say this a million times. You can get saved anywhere. You can get saved on the side of the road. You can make an altar at your job site and get saved. You can get saved in your bedroom kneeling by the bed. You can get saved 
in the Walmart. That's where the Lord deals with your heart and convinces you you need a, a Savior. You can get saved anywhere, but the moment you do get saved, He's going to put it in your heart when Sunday morning rolls around to be in church. Hebrews 10 and 26, God can't deny himself. God cannot lie. He can't lie. He said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but all the more as we see the day approaching. You never see God or hear God say, you don't have to go to church. Listen, the early church, they met every day. Jesus said this to the, uh, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, when they come to arrest him. He said, I was with you every day in the temple. You never tried to arrest me then. Somebody told me, you go to church more than Jesus does. I was preaching revivals. We was having revivals. I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, having camp meetings and Youth rallies and youth conferences and preacher. He said, my God, you Pentecostal folk, y'all sure do need a lot of church in order to make it to heaven, don't you? You go to church more than Jesus did. I said, Jesus went every day and I needed a lot more than he did. Oh, hallelujah. I can't find reason or excuse uh, when they weren't in church. They were cast out of the synagogues and they had nowhere to go. The Bible said they went from house to house daily, breaking bread, praying. They were somewhere with somebody, having a prayer meeting, studying the word of the Lord, remembering Christ, his death, his atonement, his resurrection through communion service. Uh, somewhere, every day, seeking his face, calling upon his name. We in America try to skate by with as little as possible. But the closer we get to the rapture, we should not be looking for reasons to close the door, to cancel service. Uh, he said you ought to be calling for more church. Uh, you ought to be finding more reason to meet together so that you can seek my face and call upon my name. If there's somebody telling you, I don't have to go to church that much. I don't need to go to church that much. I would ask you to ask them, who told you that? Who have you been talking to? <laughs> I would say to that one that would say, well, you know, we don't have to pay tithe. I can't afford to pay tithe. I've got too many bills. I give my tithe if I see a, a needy person. I, you know, I, I, I paid somebody's power bill and that was my tithe. I, I've had them. I don't give my money to those big fancy churches that are storing their money up and preachers getting rich off of my hard-earned money. I give my money to the widow. I give my money to the poor. I said, if you read your Bible, that's the offering. God said, you've robbed me in tithe and in offering. I said, you ought to give to the widow. You ought to give to the poor. But that's an offering. But he said, bring the tithe to the storehouse. Jesus stood over against the treasury. He was in the temple and he watched what they put in. I preached a message over in Africa and Jesus stood over the treasury. Jesus watched every time they'd put something in. Rich guy come in, he put a hundred dollar bill in Jesus. People come in, they give them out. 
That's my business. Nobody is to know what I put in the offering plate. I agree. That's your business between you and God. But I guarantee you, what you put in there, what you put in that envelope and seal, what you write on that check and fold it in half, I guarantee you, Christ looked. I guarantee you, it was His business. He said, for all the silver and all the gold is mine. He said, the cattle of a thousand hills is mine. And whatever He gave to me, He expects me to be a steward of His. It's all His. And He allowed me to be a steward of it. And He only asked me to give a tenth of it back to Him. But like I preached this morning, if God be willing, He may ask it all of me. I were around somebody and they were discouraging me from giving to the Lord. I would just have to ask them, who told you that? Who told you that God wouldn't have me to give? From Abraham all the way through. In Luke chapter 40, uh, uh, chapter 11 and verse 42, he's talking to the Pharisees, but woe unto you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Jesus said you tithe everything you have, but you don't love people. He said you ought to pay your tithe and you ought not to leave the love of God undone. If I read that right, you can read it again. In your personal time, Jesus said you ought to be paying tithe. But you can't leave all the rest of it out. If somebody were discouraging me from giving, I'd just have to ask, who told you that? Another's going to tell you. I don't need, again, this is a simple message, but this is stuff I hear all the time. I talked to a man on the phone this week. I told you I was trying to help a young man, him and that girl, homeless. I did help him. Carried her to a shelter for expectant mothers. Give her schooling, job training, job placement. He couldn't go be with her. It's a 12 to 15 month program. I told her, you need this time. You need somebody to, to help you, to, to give you a roof over your head. You need somebody that's going to give you food to eat. you got a baby living on the inside of you. It's going to make doctor's appointments for you, give you prenatal care. It's going to train you some kind of field, how you can work a job so that when you get out of this program, they're going to help you find a job. You'll have a means of, you know, getting a place to live. Paying bills. That's how the world operates. Instead of going from one flop house to another. Wanting somebody to put you up. Not saying I don't have no money. I don't have no job. I don't have this. I don't, that's not a good way to start out your life. She's 20 years old. I said, how did you get from being somebody's child, from somebody's baby to hear? Tragic story. One abuseful situation. Being raped and abused by an uncle, by boy, uh, her mom's boyfriend, by a boyfriend's buddy. One tragic story after another. 
until she finally just runs away with anything or anybody to get away from that. Tragic. I'm trying to help them. I carry her to that place. Stay the program out. Don't leave. But stay here. I told him. I said, got to do it. Was, I'm telling you, it was that day when it was raining. It's Friday. Raining, bitter, cold, just storm. Everything in me. I know this boy. I know his family. I know his background. He's just rebellious. Him and his daddy's had cussing matches after cussing match, drugs, you name it. I just, I, I, I was so irritated. I'd spent two days with this couple trying to help them. And, 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 and money. I'd spent a lot of money trying to help them. Putting him up, buying him something to eat, and everything out of his mouth. I hear him talk this. I'm calling somebody on the phone. A woman's explaining to him what he needs to do, and he cuts her off on speak. For, I'm telling you, ma'am, I've already done all this, and I snap my fingers. I said, I'll talk, not you. You can't talk to people that way. You can't treat people that way that are trying to help you. You don't have nothing. How did you get? At 22 years old, in a situation where your mama won't have you, your daddy won't have you, your grandparents won't have you, you've done something wrong. Listen. Let somebody help you. And all the way, I finally found somebody after two days of trying to find somewhere this boy can go to. Somebody that'll take him. He finds uh, one of her family members that'll let him stay if he promises to get a job. So I got to carry him all the way there. We're on the way, and I'm preaching to him all the way. I'm telling him about he's going to be in Atmore. He is in Atmore, and I'm telling him about Sister Helen's church, Fretwell Tabernacle. He said, I think I dated a girl that went to that church, said it was out there in that Perdita area and had a woman pastor and Her daddy hates me. I don't believe I'll be going to that church. I said, listen to me, boy. I'm trying to recommend you a church where people will love you. People will help you. There are men in that church that will wrap their arms around you and help you get a job. They'll live holy and righteous in front of you. They'll, They'll help you make it to heaven. Listen to me. Well, All this stuff rolling out. You ain't got to go to church. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Who told you that? Who told you that? I want to ask you something, young people. It's what I told this boy. I said, who told you you could talk to your mom and daddy like that? I don't care who you think you are and I don't care what you think they've done at one time. That mama gave birth to you. They reared you when you couldn't take care of yourself. They were changing your diapers and putting spoons in your, and, and you know, and uh, feeding nipples in your mouth. They fed you. They gave you some raisin, raised you enough till you got old enough to thought, think you knew better than they did. Who told you you could stand in rebellion against them? The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. I said, you're either going to let people help you or you're going to go to hell. 
That's the way it's going to be. That's what I told that young lady as well. Somebody will tell you. Who? Or you don't need the Holy Ghost. I don't need all that emotion. I don't need all that shouting. I don't need all that speaking in tongues. Well, they told you something about theirself right there. All they think the Holy Ghost is, is emotion. All they think the Holy Ghost is, is a prayer language. I want to tell you, he's not a goosebump. He's not a thrill, an emotion. I know people that aren't saved that get thrilled. I know people that aren't saved that get emotional. Listen. I, before I got saved, and I was, a, I was out of the house. I wouldn't, won't say a teenager, but I was out of the house, 19, 20 years old. You go to a rock and roll concert, and they play the song that you want to hear played. You get moved emotionally to jump up and down. That's not the Holy Ghost. He's not an emotion. He's the third person. Of the triune Godhead. And he's holy. I'll tell you what. He so honors God. That if you'll honor God. He'll stir you up emotionally. And you will jump. And you will shout. He'll cause you to be so in love with Jesus. When you enter into his presence. You'll get goosebumps. You'll get thrilled. Tears. Of love and joy and maybe conviction will roll down your face. He'll stir your emotions. But he does so in a holy manner. Not a carnal manner. I want to tell you he's not a prayer language. He's a person. You can't turn him on and off like a light switch. It rubs this pastor the wrong way. And I watch those TBN personalities. Praise him in English. Praise Him in the Spirit. They'll be speaking in English where you can understand them. Then just stop that and go to speaking in tongues. He's never moved on nobody like that. They all spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Not as a preacher prompted them. The Apostle Paul said, I pray with my understanding and I pray in the Spirit also. But he done so at God's unction, not man's prompting. Christ has to prove nothing to nobody. He's not going to move me to speak in tongues to prove to somebody that I'm spiritual or that I've got the Holy Ghost. But just like when I bought these shoes right here, I didn't have to ask a salesman, will you sell me some tongues to go with those shoes right there? I need a set of tongues to go under those laces so they don't rub the top of my foot raw. No, sir, the tongue comes with a shoe. Amen. I don't preach to people. You need to speak in tongues. But I do tell them you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They say, are you talking to me about speaking in tongues? I said, no, I'm talking to you about being filled with the third person of God. 
filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, he's going to live in you. He's going to uh, 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 work His power in your heart and life. He's going to mold you and conform you and make you like Jesus. Uh, he's going to speak uh, and give you boldness to preach uh, or to witness uh, when it ain't in you. He'll put wisdom in you when you read the Word of God. He'll teach you everything that Christ wanted you to know. That's who I'm talking about. Uh, I don't need you to talk in tongues. Uh, but if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, tongues will come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't need to do all that. I don't need that emotion. I don't need all of that. Who told you that? Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away. The apostle taught us in his epistle to the Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit. I understand ignorance. People that don't know anything about it. But that don't excuse. That don't excuse. If somebody were telling me the Holy Ghost ain't for me, I'd just have to say, who told you that? I don't need the Holy Ghost. Who told you that? I don't need all of that emotion. Who told you that? Amen. Who told you that? On and on. I could go. Preach. Since I preached last Sunday and preached out of Ezekiel 38 and 9 and preached out of Matthew chapter 24, we're living in the last days. We're living in the end days. I've told that. You know, it stirred my heart up. You just tell everybody. Listen, I got a family and kin folk that says, I don't believe that. They've been saying Jesus is going to come since the beginning of time. Grandpa preached it. He lived and died and he didn't come. You're, you believe that. You're going to live and die and he's still not going to come. And I ask him, who told you that? One goofball preacher I heard preaching on TBN one time said, he can't come. Till we build a space station. He used some kind of prophecy. Out of the book of Daniel. He said scholars believe he's talking about space travel. They're trying to build that space station. And the Lord ain't going to come till we get that space station built. And I said, oh my God. Who told you that? How many people can live on a space station anyhow? The only space travel I'm worried about is in a moment in the twinkling of an eye getting caught up out of here. Amen. To meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the only space travel I'm interested in. Got to build a space station. The Lord ain't coming back. I'll tell you. Who told you that? A wicked and an evil servant saith in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. And I'll tell you what the Holy Ghost is saying. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. You want to know the reason why? 
People aren't in church. You want to know the reason why people don't think it's important to pray? You want to know the reason why people make excuses like we preached about this morning and find reasons not to do the will of God? It's because they don't believe Jesus is coming. The Bible said the doctrine of the coming of the Lord is a purifying hope. He that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. If you believe Jesus could come tonight, uh, you'll be in the house of God. I wouldn't want to be watching uh, a football game while my brothers and sisters was meeting in the church, uh, was in revival, was in camp meeting or having church on a Sunday night. And no, I said to God, the NFL is a little more important to me. My team is trying to win a championship. God's going to say, my son is trying to save us all from going to hell my son is trying to to touch brother Joseph and put eyes in his head my son is trying to heal a sick body that struggled and made their way to the house of God tonight needing healing in their body my son's trying to fill one of these new believers with the baptism and the Holy Ghost what are we saying to them We don't think it's even important enough to be here with them and pray with them in the altar. I'll say what we're saying to them. We don't believe what this book says. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I said, I don't fast. Why not? I don't think it's important. Who told you that? They came to Jesus and said, why couldn't we cast the devil out of that boy? Why couldn't we get that boy help? And the devil rent him and cast him into the fire and tried to kill him. I know you came out of church here a few Wednesday nights ago after Brother Corey had preached the Wednesday night before Christmas. Preached a wonderful message. Brother Danny had Facebooked me before church. Said, pray for Pam. She's on one tonight. And I said, is she drinking again? He said, yes. She's worse than I've ever seen her before. Pray for me. I can't take it anymore. I said, I, sorry, buddy. I don't know what, what to say. I, I can't imagine what you're fighting and going through. I said, but I will be praying. We had church service and Brother Corey just gave the altar call and I came to the altar. Brother Danny, I didn't see him. I had my back turned, hands raised. Danny came through the side door, felt somebody tap me on the shoulder. He said, I got Pam out there in the car, out there outside. He said, I need you to come out here and do something with her. I can't control her. I got a policy. You might think it's a bad policy, but I, I've, I've did this too many times. I got a policy. I don't talk to drunks. I'm not going to argue with them. I'm not going to debate the Bible with them. They, they, when you get deal with somebody that's on drugs, somebody that's drinking, man, do they get spiritual. They've heard voices, seen visions, and no more Bible than you ever will in, in your life. I just, I got a policy. I'm not dealing with them. He told me that. He's in church, and he's desperate, and he said, got Pam out there, needs you to do something with her. And I'll, I'll just tell you, I'll confess to you. In my mind, I was like, oh, brother. That's the last thing I want to deal with. 
Brother Corey had just preached, his name shall be called. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. I thought to myself, every person in the world needed to have been in that service to have heard that message. It was powerful. And I was thinking going out the door, if she would have had herself in church and heard that message, she'd be where she needs to be with God. I know i got to go out here and deal with who knows what. And I walked out there, and sure enough, I could smell alcohol from six feet away. I said, come on, Pam, get out of the car. I want to pray with you. She said, Pam ain't here. I was like, I said, come on, Pam, I don't have time for this. You need to get out of that car and get into that altar service. He just gave the altar call. You need to get in that altar and pray through. She said, I said, Pam is not here. I said, well, who, pray tell, am I talking to then? She looked at me with the evilest eyes and said, you know. I said, I don't know. Tell me. She said, you're a man of God. You know who I am. Pam's dead. It's just me. I said, I ain't never talked to the devil. And don't plan on starting tonight. I said, Pam... I'm going to pray for you. And if you'll call out to Jesus, the man in Gadara, 2,000 devils couldn't stop him from getting to Jesus when he made up his mind to run to Jesus. I said, he's been stripped. He's been robbed. He has no power. All you've got to do is call upon his name. She said, stop, stop. I don't want to hear it. And I said, you're going to hear it. I reached forth my hand to pray for her. She jerked away and said, I'm telling you, don't touch me. I said, what, what are you going to do? She said, I'll kill you. I'll kill you if you lay your hands on me. I said, you can't kill me. My life is in God's hands. Just like you couldn't kill Job. You can't kill any child of God. I said, Pam, I'm going to pray for you. She said, do not put your hands on me. And I just put my hands over the car. And I said, then I'm going to pray for the whole car. And I'm going to pray for the Holy Ghost to fill this car up with His power. And with his presence. And devil you got to go. I put my hands on the windshield. And over the top of that car. And I began to pray. About that time our service was being dismissed. And people started coming out. Some of you came out and began to help me pray. Right about that time. But I'm telling you folks. Right about that time the Holy Ghost moved upon me. To pray with boldness. I began to stand in authority against the powers of hell. I began to plead the efficacious power of the living Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I and the devil. He put his fingers 
put her fingers in her ears. The devil began to cry out, stop, stop. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts. I took them off the car then and laid hold to her head and began to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, if I ever came to a realization that the devil tore that boy, he rent him and cast him into the fire. The devil tore his way out of Sister Pam. She told me two days I couldn't eat or drink. It felt like claws or razor had ripped its way out of my throat as she gagged and puked and choked and said felt like two hands was wrapped around my neck trying to choke me to death. And I can tell you right out there in that parking lot God delivered that woman from the powers of hell. She ain't missed a service or a prayer meeting or had a drink since. Who told you You don't need the Holy Ghost Who told you We don't need the power of God Who told you You don't need a church family And the body of Christ She told me Pastor I never knew, I never realized I got so far away from God. And I'll tell you, she's sick tonight and can't be here. We're going to pray for her in just a little while. She told me, I said, Pam, was it drinking? I said, alcohol and drugs are a doorway to the demonic. She said, I can tell you, looking back exactly when it happened. She said, I came Wednesday night during camp meeting. Brother Tim was preaching. I don't know what was happening. I was praying. I wasn't observing. She said, y'all was praying around the altar. And she said, I said to another family in that church, I don't like that. I don't like what I just saw. And she said, I made a statement. I'll never step foot. In that church, again, as long as I live. She said, Brother Eddie, when I made that statement, she said, I felt something leave me. And I felt something else enter into me. She said, I never felt like praying. I never felt like reading my Bible. I never felt the urge to go to church. I never felt the need for anybody to pray for me again. She said, but I didn't know I was this far from God. There's a way seems right unto a man. The end thereof are the ways of death. People think this is a game. It ain't. The devil's playing for keeps. Souls are dying and going to hell every day. Whether a preacher preaches their funeral or not, they're dying lost and going to hell every day. I want to ask you, that voice that's talking to you, is it the Holy Ghost? Is he recalling scripture and verse? Is he compelling you to pray? Is he stirring your heart to invite people to Sunday school? So they can study the word of God for an hour more in their life. You know the only thing that's going to matter when you get to heaven. Is every hour you spent in the word. 
every second you spent in prayer, times around this altar, money you gave toward missions, money you gave back to God, all the things that you did for God are the only things that's going to matter. All that other stuff is going to be gone. Why not give God an hour more of my life? Why not invest a little bit more in the kingdom and in my own eternity? Why not press a little farther? Why not pray and fast? This kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. Why couldn't we cast the devil out? Because the devil told you, you don't have to pray and fast. The Holy Ghost is just emotionalism. Until it's your baby that's burning up with fever. And you can't lay hands on him. And you can't pray the prayer of faith. And you can't see him recover. Then it's more than emotions. It's power with God then. Stand with me. I'm through. Didn't mean to preach that long.